Welcome to Meldon Law and Friends. I'm Jeffrey Meldon, founder and attorney at Meldon Law. It's uh, our great privilege to have you uh, join us today. We've got a great show. The athletic director for the University of Florida, uh, Scott Strickland, is here with us uh, at Spurs Gridiron Grill, and we're going to have a great show. You're going to learn all about the ins and outs of uh, Gator Athletics today. So thank you very much for joining us. A couple things I want to tell you about. November 11th is Veterans Day, uh, and we want to give thanks to all of our veterans. As a matter of fact, Melvin Law is sponsoring a uh, event for veterans at Homestead Park in Williston from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's a free event. Uh, there's going to be lots of entertainment and gifts and food and all kinds of stuff going on. So uh, join us there. Uh, the holidays are approaching rapidly. Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas and New Year's and all the other holidays. And uh, Melden Law um, always gives away some free uh, gift cards for restaurants. We've been uh, giving away $25 gift cards for Harry's Bar and Grill, which has uh, locations in Gainesville, Ocala, and three or four other locations. So if you want to uh, get a free gift card, all you have to do is sign up for our newsletter, and you will be a recipient uh, of the newsletter. As soon as it gets in, uh, you you enter the contest, and uh, we're going to give away as many as 400 gift cards this year. Uh, to help promote all the great uh, clients and uh, folks that have helped us out through the years. A couple other things is uh, Meldon Law uh, has uh, three main offices, Gainesville, Ocala, Lake City, and we are here to serve you. We've been in the community since 1971. We help folks that have been uh, injured in uh, different kinds of accidents, both car and uh, other accidents. And we want to let you know that uh, it's free to give us a call. We'll give you an opinion, let you know what we think about your case. And if we can help you, we'll be glad to do it. There's no fee unless you win. So uh, those are a few really important things. Um, We're going to be here all through the holidays uh, helping to celebrate uh, the successes um, of our community and all the wonderful things going on. So we'll let you know next week uh, more about uh, what's going on. Uh, we're going to take a short break now and get uh, together with Scott Strickland from the University of Florida, where he's the athletic director, and uh, we'll go from there. We'll be back in just a few minutes on Meldon Law and Friends. Thursday, November the 16th, come celebrate the release of our Spurrier's Gridiron Grill, Lugo's Risky Rum. This exclusive release features a special spread of our farm-to-table food, rum cocktails, raffles, and a meet and greet with me. Each ticket includes a bottle of Spurrier's Single Barrel Select Risky Rum, and I'll sign the bottle if you'd like. So get your ticket before they sell out at Spurrier's.com. What are you doing? Well, I'm joining the band, of course. Since Melvin Law is the official law firm partner of the Florida Gators, I want to help. Dad, 
We're litigators. Let's stick to helping people in the courtroom. Well, can we still hang out and jam a little bit? At Melden Law, we won't back down. I was going down a one-way street, and a girl that was driving her car T-boned me on my scooter. I ended up going for an MRI and discovering that I had two herniated discs. Coming to carry allowed me to not have to worry about what doctor I was going to see or what physical therapist I had to go to. They say, these are the people we trust. You're going to have a great experience there. And I honestly did each time. Call Melvin Law. Your consultation is absolutely free. I was driving behind a lady, and very suddenly she moved out of the way. There was a log laying in the road. And when I hit my brakes, I went on top of the log. I had two herniated discs. I just haven't been the same since. Jeffrey Melton fought for me all the way. Him and his team really went there for me. Throughout the whole lawsuit, he made sure that my bills was paid. It was never no whenever I called him and asked him for something. Call Melvin Law right now. And I was in an accident. Someone ran red light and hit me, and I was hurt. You don't know where to turn. Luckily, I called Jeffrey. These big insurance companies, they don't want you to win. They truly don't. But Jeffrey and his firm and the people that work here, they just really fight for you. You call the law offices of Jeffrey Melvin because you're going to need help, and they will help you. Call Melvin Law right now. Hey, Sammy, look who's there. Say hi. Hey. Again. Melvin Law, Jeffrey speaking. Jeffrey! Here we go again. Welcome to Melvin Law and Friends. Uh, we've got a uh, special guest for us today. We're here at uh, Spurrier's Gridiron Grill, and uh, what better guest to have than Scott Strickland? the athletic director at the University of Florida. How are you doing today, Scott? Great, Jeffrey. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's good to be with you and uh, uh, have a little time to visit and talk uh, talk about the Gators and everything University of Florida, right? Yeah. So we're here at Spurrier's. What is having Spurrier's Gridiron Grill meant to you as athletic director and to the uh, recruiting and the program and everything else? Well, it's been a tremendous asset to the, the community, really. And certainly anytime something's good for the community, it impacts the University of Florida and, and our uh, athletic department in a really positive way. And so, um, you know, i uh, got to give a lot of credit to everyone who's behind it, uh, Coach Spurrier and Freddie and everybody who's who's been so uh, instrumental in, in making this place reality. But uh, you mentioned recruits. Uh, our coaches and across all of our sports uh, end up utilizing Spurriers for a lot of their uh, dinners with recruits when they're in campus. And um, just visitors to Gainesville in general, they love coming to Spurrier's and uh, the restaurant's so well done. There's the, the history, uh, the presentation of all Coach Spurrier's memorabilia and um, just the story it tells. It, it's a special place. So it's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been really excited because I know that um, Spurrier's legendary um, for Gators uh, and what I heard was when the when the eighteen nineteen year old kids the recruits come here seventeen years old right a lot of times they come with their mother father uh, grandparents and stuff 
And uh, when Spurrier shows up, the grandparents know who he is. Sure. The parents know who Spurrier. The kids have maybe heard the name, but they don't. Right. They don't know. But um, yeah, he certainly re- he resonates with football fans from several generations. That's that's for sure. You know, it's interesting because from uh, when he came here in 1990 until uh, when Urban Meyer left in uh, 2010. For 20 years, the Gator Athletic Program was just absolutely amazing. Yeah, had a great run. Coach Spurrier for a dozen years, unprecedented success, not just for the University of Florida, really for the SEC, and um, you know led the Gators to six SEC titles, of course the '96 National Championship, and and then you know Coach uh, Coach Meyer had a had a six year run in there with uh, the two national titles and the two SEC titles, and um, that was. You know, you layer that on top of what uh, uh, Billy Donovan did in the sport of men's basketball, and it was uh, that that you know 06, 07, 08 period was pretty magical for the Gators. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we were were definitely title town during that time. Everybody was wondering what what our secret sauce was and stuff like that. So, um, uh, you are the athletic director for the University of Florida. You took over from Jeremy Foley. I've known Jeremy for probably 40 years, right? Now, Jeremy was um, as good an athletic director as there was in the whole country. Absolutely. Right? No question. I mean, he he probably could have been the SEC commissioner if he wanted to and all that. But I think after uh, banging his head, uh, trying to solve problems for 40 years, he decided he was going to take a retirement, which he deserved. But what was it like for you trying to follow a legend like Jeremy Foley? Well, it was, uh, you know, more good than than not. And, uh, you know, obviously anytime you replace one like Jeremy, it's a cast a long shadow. He's a a unique individual. Uh, You know, his his intelligence, his leadership ability, obviously the success the Gators had, I'll speak, uh, you know, to as a credit to him. Um, but the other great thing about that is you're 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 not stepping into a place um, where you're having to start everything from scratch, right? Obviously, Jeremy left a really good uh, athletic program, highly functioning, and um, and so that you would much rather walk into that situation than the alternative. And because having been in the SEC myself for a long time at various schools, uh, I I developed a relationship with Jeremy long before I came to the University of Florida. So it was a, it was a huge honor to, to because of the respect I have for him as a friend, as a colleague, uh, to have the opportunity to, to, to be the person that followed him here at the University of Florida. And, um, you know, he, everyone points to the, the trophies and the championships. Um, Gators, um, you know, have, have been fortunate. We continue to have had a lot of success, you know, a lot of championships across all the different sports. Um, but Jeremy really created a really special culture in the UAA, and the kind of people he hired, the the way you know the way they really uh, cared about the Gators, um, were selfless in that devotion to making sure the UAA was was cared for, and that's been that's been the neatest part about being here and following him is a chance to carry on that culture of putting people first, and whether it's the athletes, whether it's your staff, um, whether it's the fans. That's 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 something that really is a hidden asset. People don't really focus on that. But if you work in the OEA, it becomes apparent really quickly how important that is, and that's a huge credit to Jeremy as well. 
So um, you were where Mississippi State, yes, uh, and you you were the assistant athletic director there. I, I I was when I first so I went to school there and I worked other places. I came back. I was assistant AD and then became athletic director for the last six and a half years. I was there. So you that's how you got to know Jeremy really well in that position, right? Did you guys? Have meetings and you talk about uh, how you know what you can do to build the SEC together. Correct, correct. So um, a lot of folks don't realize how successful the University of Florida athletic programs are. When I say how many programs are there, so there's there's 21 teams. Mm -hmm. uh, we have 12 women's teams and and uh, nine men's programs, and um, it is remarkable the. Uh, overall comprehensive nature, the amount of success the Gators have had. Um, and, and just a great illustration of that, and I'm going to throw a number out, and people go, that's just a number, but I'm going to give you context that's pretty mind-blowing. Uh, University of Florida has won 262 Southeastern Conference team championships. So that just sounds like a number. The SEC has been around for 90-plus you know, years, 262. To give you some context, the school that has the second most SEC team titles has uh, is more than a hundred behind where the Gators total is. So uh, it's pretty remarkable that, that the dominance the Gators have had across all sports. And um, you know, we, we last and it continues. That's not a historical thing. Uh, the most recently completed academic year, 22-23, the Gators had six SEC titles more than any other school in the SEC. Already have one this year, women's cross country. Uh, won an SEC title just uh, a couple weeks ago, so there's uh, that is that is really remarkable. Then you layer in the national championships, of which there's 47, two last year in men's golf and men's outdoor track and field. Another three programs finished runner-up in the nation last yeah, year. Yeah, we had baseball and gymnastics. We were just a hair from winning, and, right? And women's outdoor track as well was second. Um, we had seven of the 21 program, I think programs finished in the top three in the country a year ago. And then you have all the individual SEC title winners, uh, individual national champions, uh, Olympic medalists. It's it's pretty impressive the amount, uh, the caliber of, of young people and coaches that uh, the university attracts and, and we're able to work with. You know, I was doing a little research uh, about the best college athletic program and I came across an article today for 2024, the best college athletic program. The University of Florida was ranked number one. And they, um, they took a look at um, a lot of different um, aspects as far as the overall experience. Uh, and uh, to, to be in that conversation at number one, they had LSU number two, Alabama number three, uh, Clemson, number four, Oklahoma, number five, uh, Connecticut, North Carolina. So some really good schools. Um, Georgia, uh, number nine. I like that. I'd rather have them nine. How did Georgia get so good at football? How did they, you know, all of a sudden, you know, six or seven years ago, they started to, you know, build this program. Um, how did they do that? You know, that's a great question. I, I, obviously, I wasn't there. It's hard. You know, I can see from the outside. Um, they have uh, invested in continuity. You know, Coach Rick was there for a long, long time and had, had good teams, right? They won the SEC a few times and were consistently good, had really developed a great base of talent. And then 
uh, when Coach Smart came in, it appears that they just were able to kind of build off of that. And, um, it's, you know, one of the continuity, I think, is really important to all successful programs. And, uh, you know, a great example on the Gator side is when Coach Spurrier was here and you had that great, you know, continuity that he provided during the 90s. Uh, and, um, you know, one of the challenges I think we've had is we've had so many head, different head coaches in the last uh, couple decades that it is, um, you know, Part of the process we're going through now is to try to build back up with Coach Napier some consistency and continuity so we can be in that same conversation. You know, it's interesting because uh, Jeremy Foley, you know, um, you know, uh, he he brought in some really good coaches, but even somebody who was, you know, the top athletic director in the country, arguably, right? Uh, you know, when he brought in Muschamp, right? He, he, you know, Muschamp, I think Texas wanted him and a lot of big programs were after him, you know, he, and he, you know, they, they knew a little bit about him and um, he was certainly a genius as far as defense, but, uh, you know, the knock on him was he wasn't recruiting the best offensive caliber players or uh, whatever. So I, I just, it, it kind of... Um, you know, interests me where, you know, you have somebody with Jeremy's talent, he brings in Muschamp, and for some reason, you know, our program didn't take off the way we expected it to. Well, uh, hiring uh, hiring staff, really, to any level, especially high-profile leaders, uh, there's no guarantees, right? It's, it's uh, and you look at uh, the NFL draft, you know, how many of their first round draft picks you never hear from, right? And they spend a lot of time and money and they do all the evaluations. Sometimes you get it right and sometimes you don't. And so Jeremy certainly hired uh, a lot of really good coaches and, and had a great eye for that. Um, but, you know, sometimes sometimes you hire people you think are going to work and, and it looks like everything's going to fit and it doesn't work out that way. And then um, other times, you know, you go through the same process ended up someone and they end up winning championships. And so a lot of times, um, you know, you don't, you don't know everything. You can't tell the future, but there are certain traits you look for. You know, you look for intelligence. You look for the kind of people they are, the kind of character they have, uh, the work ethic, how they are as a leader. You know, what's, are, they, or they are, are they organized? Do they have a plan? Can they recruit? To me, there's three things that coaches that head coaches have to do to be successful. Number one, they have to attract the right people, whether that's recruits, whether that's staff. Number two, they have to have the ability to lead that group. And that's that's not as easy as it sounds, but they gotta build culture, accountability, direction, you know, provide direction. And then the third thing is, is they've got to put them in that group of people in the best position strategically to be successful. And all three of them are important. To be a championship coach, you gotta be able to do all three. You have to attract talent, you have to lead the talent, and you have to put them in position to be successful. You have to do all three of those well to win championships. But those first, it, I don't care how good you are at that third piece, how good you are at the strategic part of it, if you're not good at those first two, the third's not going to matter. If you don't have great players, and if you don't have the ability to lead them and direct them and get them all in the, pull in the same direction, that third part's not going to matter. Now, if you can do all three, you have a chance to be really special. We have a number of those coaches at the UAA. Yeah. Uh, now, as an athletic director, um, I had t talked with Jeremy about this years ago, but you always have a file cabinet for every sport, right, of potential coaches down, you know, in the future if something uh, you decide to make a change. 
Yeah, you know, you you keep up with, um, I, I would say, the market or, you know, who would be out there. Uh, you're not active doing that, you know, but um, we have on our staff, the way our, our structure is set up, um, every one of our sports has a member of our administrative team that's kind of their supervisor that oversees them. And so uh, in the sport of uh, baseball, Chip Howard, who's been here for a long time, is the sport administrator over, you know, helps make sure that the coach O'Sullivan has all the resources and direction and support he needs. Um, and we have somebody like that for every single sport. And there's a, you know, if, if there's ever an opening in a certain sport, that sport administrator is going to be the first person I go to like, okay, you've been around this program. You've been around the sport. You've traveled with the team. Some you've been to the postseason tournaments. You've watched who's good in the sport. Um, you know, who's out there that you think fits for the, for the University of Florida and for the Gators. So you start with that, but then obviously you do a lot of your own homework and develop a pool of people. And, you know, there's there's a lot of great coaches out there. There's a couple of things to remember. Not every coach is looking to leave where they are, number one. And so there, it's not it's not like going down to – to Best Buy and buying a brand new TV, you can, you know, they, they, you have, you have total say as a buyer. Yeah. TV has no say whether they come along or not. Mm-hmm. It's not like that with coaches. The coaches obviously have a say. The second part is, um, you know, every school is different and has different strengths and different challenges, and um, this place is not for everybody. And so, finding someone who's a fit culturally, um, who's a fit from a competitive standpoint. It's uh, the the pool. Even though you hit, might have a lot of names, you start you start really winnowing it down. The pool is a lot more shallow than than people probably would think once you get into it. Right. I mean, you're coming into you know a big time program that may be you know it's always in the top five in the country. So you got to have somebody who can handle um, you know that kind of caliber and the expectations sure. that come with the job. You know, the hardest part of my job has been letting go of people, you know, firing them, right? How, you know, I always have to prepare myself for that because I'm friends with them. Right. How do you, how do you prepare yourself when when you have to change coaches? That's, you know, obviously probably the least favorite part of any leader's job is when you have to tell somebody they're not going to be able to continue to do the thing that they've been doing, uh, assuming they want to continue doing it. So, um, you know, my belief is usually when you're in that situation, um, there's somewhere else that that person's supposed to be, and it's not in their current role. And so, uh, you know, in a way, you're trying to, uh, as empathetically as possible, let them know that they're not going to be able to continue what they're doing, and let also let them know, hey, I'm here to help in any way you ca- I can. You know, I care about you. Appreciate everything you've done. Appreciate, you know, I care about you as a person. Um, but I don't know. It never gets easy, right? Anyone who says they enjoy letting people <laughs> no, go, there's no, something no. wrong with that person. No, I have to cite myself. Oh, it's, it's the worst. It's, it's the worst. I, like, I almost yeah. cry, you know? Yeah, it's tough. The good thing is that um, at Melden Law, we've really focused in on building team culture, just like you do. And um, everybody that we have to let go winds up getting picked up by somebody else really quickly because they know that they come from... Uh, a, a law firm where we focus in on client experience and team culture and working together. And, you know, it's more than just a, you know, show up from, you know, 8.30 to 5 kind of a situation. Right. So that ma- that's made it easier for me over the years, knowing that they're going to land somewhere and that they're going to do just fine. And, you know, it's like, uh, however, I was reading recently that, you know, 
um, if you tolerate m mediocrity, then that's going to wind up uh, being what your standard is. No question. And, um, you know, culture is what you accept, right? Is another way I've heard that put, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever you accept, that becomes your culture. And, and uh, the, the organization is going to settle in at the, uh, whatever the lowest standard is typically. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just got a shirt this past weekend. I went up to a, a leadership, uh, lower leadership conference in Atlanta and, um, you know, the, the shirt, uh, it's a black shirt. It just said, raise your standards. Okay. And I saw that. So I went and got one. I said, man, that's, you know, just wearing that around. It means to all of us. Right. You know, sure. it's like, uh, so talking about leadership, what does leadership mean to you? You know, leadership is putting the, the needs of whatever group you're leading, whether it's the organization or the people organization, putting them above yourself and making sure that their goals or the organization's goals become a focal point of, of what you're all trying to accomplish. Um, I think, I, you know, I love the concept of servant leadership, you know, so um, the, the, you know, the, the great example of someone, a, a leader sacrificing for the good of the overall organization or the people that they're serving. And so um, that, that's, you know, that's really important to me. And, and you, you look at that a lot of different ways, but it's, it's uh, making sure that the people in the, in the, t on the team uh, are a priority. And, you know, I, there's a, uh, I was I took a lot of marketing classes. I got a marketing degree in college, and there's this concept of of, of two kind of mark of two different types of marketing. There's services marketing and there's goods marketing. So you're in the service market industry, right? You're not selling widgets; you're selling a service. Um, I think we do that in athletics as well. So when you're in a when you're marketing a good. Um, the only thing that matters is the quality of the actual good you're selling. And so you're totally focused on uh, letting your audience know about the quality of that good. Mm -hmm. But when you're selling a service, when you're marketing a service, you're, you are trying to tell the public, the external users, stakeholders, how good the service is. And you're selling them that. But the internal constituents, meaning the people on your team providing the service, you have to market to them just as hard as you do to the external user. Your internal constituents become just as important as your external constituents because they're the ones providing the service. And so whether it's someone in our ticket office, uh, someone, our, our sports training staff, someone in uh, works for Gator Boosters, our coaches, anyone, um, they have to feel valued. They have to feel important as a part of the uh, athletic association because they're going to turn around and they're going to project the values of the athletic association to all the external user groups. So if you have a bunch of internal um, people who don't feel valued, who don't feel like you're be they're being poured into, they're not going to do a very good job of selling what you know the university athletic association to all the, the recruits, the fans, everybody out there who, who are so important to making the enterprise successful. So um, I think a good leader pours into their people in a way that allows them to in turn go and, and make sure the association or the organization is represented as well as possible. 
So we, we recently had a, a vision day at Melvin Law where, you know, we, we uh, explained to everybody on the team. It was all hands on deck. Everybody had to be there. And uh, we have about 30 people in the office. And we, uh, we, we, it's not the first time we've done it, but we had a lot of new employees. So we talked to them about what our vision was. And we ha also have uh, our core values. And our core of it, we tried to explain what our core values were so that they, uh, they integrate them within the, uh, their day dealing with our clients. Because for us, what we determined was the client experience was the number one North Star for us. Right? If you can get the client right. experience right, right, then you're, you're on to something. What do you do in the athletic department as far as, you know, vision statement, core values, things like that? Well, we have a, a really simple uh, uh, mission statement, which is we want to provide a championship experience with integrity for mm -hmm. the University of Florida. And so um, the championship experience is, you know, you think of, uh, you know, the, that word, the word championship is, is being used very purposeful there because we do want to win championships. But it's really about how you treat people. You know, the championship experience, how are you treating people? How are you going about, are you working in uh, every little part of, of your task um, with the expectation of excellence is the goal, right? So there's six core values, uh, passion, integrity, teamwork, um, uh, excellence, uh, innovation, and respect. So six core values for the University Athletic Association, all in support of that goal and mission of providing a championship experience with integrity. Well, um, I'm glad to um, hear that because I think any successful organization has to share their vision with the whole team in order for that team to, you know, represent them. Um, what do you think is going to happen with NIL? I know right now, you know, it's new and people are trying to figure it out. What, what do you see going on with NIL and how it's uh, changing the college landscape? Well, obviously it's allowing athletes the opportunity to earn benefits that in the past NCAA rules did not allow them to do. And so that's a positive right there. Um, there's a lot of layers to it. And it really, it all starts with the fact that the only, you know, college sports, we have a lot of different levels of sport in this country, right? Uh, college athletics is the only level of sport in America whose sole ability to fill our rosters is through recruiting. That's the only way you can, you can fill your roster. So uh, in the pro sports, they have a draft, right? Um, you know who else has a draft is Little League. But, you know, you think about they Little do. League. They, I have, know no, little they, league. they have a Little League. Coaches get together and they draft the players. Um, in, I'm glad in, they didn't have a draft when I was in Little League. And, you know, in, in high school or, or you know, uh, in uh, elementary school or middle school or high school, a lot of times it's based on what neighborhood you live in or what school you go to. Um, but in college sports, all we, all we have is recruiting. And so that means we're, we're constantly in sales mode. You know, you mm -hmm. and I talked about that earlier. We're constantly in sales mode. And when that is the environment, then anything that touches uh, the enterprise is going to be weaponized for recruiting. And so that's where we are with NIL is we want, just like we want uh, at the University of Florida, we want potential recruits to understand the value, the incredible value of that degree from the number one public school in the country if they come to the University of Florida. 
We want them to understand they're going to have great facilities, great coaching, unbelievable support from a passionate fan base. But we So all that traditionally has been what people have focused on. But now you also have to make sure that they have really good opportunities in the name, image, and likeness space. And just like if we didn't have um, the degree wasn't strong or if the coaching or the fan support or the facilities weren't good, it'd be hard. We wouldn't get the kind of athletes we want. In the same way, if we don't have the NIL opportunities for our athletes, once they get here, not to be used during recruiting, but for us to demonstrate, hey, look at the current athletes, look at look at what they're experiencing. Um, if that doesn't exist, then that's going to be a problem. So uh, as you know, we have a, a, a NIL group called Florida Victorious that's working hard to uh, make sure that those opportunities exist. And we have a lot of uh, of Gator fans who have uh, joined in on that uh, endeavor to, to make that group as strong as possible. And uh, it makes a difference. You talk to our current athletes, it makes a difference in their experience. And um, there's a lot of, lot of benefits to it, but there's no question it's a huge sea change from where we've been traditionally in college athletics. And for old timers like you and me, it takes a little while to get our minds around it. But, um, it it's, you know, it's going to be important and it might morph and change. Uh, anytime you have a, uh, something introduced into an industry, it, it can, you know, it can really, uh, be jarring. And I think we've all experienced that the last 26, 28 months since NIL has been a thing, but I don't think it's going away. I think it's here to stay. And, um, you know, if the Gators are going to be good, we need to figure out how to be really good in this space. You know, we, um, on our last podcast, Ryan from uh, Florida Victorious was our guest here, and uh, we were talking about, you know, what they're doing and how important it is. But it, it's reality. Correct. All right. So whether, you know, you can, you know, moan and groan about it and do that, or you can deal with reality. Exactly. All right. And 100%. So, so my message to all you Gator fans out there is that there's lots of opportunities to help support the Gator program. Florida Victorious has come to put together a $96 a month um, a donation, uh, which supports the, uh, the whole NIL experience and, and makes us um, able to uh, be competitive and you know look nil i always felt like this, back in um 06 and 07 al horford and joe kim noah were running gainesville right midtown downtown when they showed up they had like a posse with them and they but their families had money and they were able to you know come downtown and go to Dragonfly Restaurant and go here and there. And, you know, they really, um, you know, were huge uh, figures on campus. However, there were a lot of uh, really good athletes who didn't have the financial backing from their families and didn't, you know, yeah, they had resources from the university, but not in comparison to what some of the other kids came. Right. So I, I had always struggled with that, trying to figure out, um, you know, this kid is a star athlete. He's generating a lot of revenue for the university. Is there some way that we could um, compensate the athletes? So when they come here, they're kind of on a level playing field as far as the non-sports-related activities, which include, right. you know, you want to go out to a nice restaurant and hang out with friends, and you want to do the things that right. you know, the other kids are doing. So when NIL came around, my my thought was, 
uh, well, this is going to be interesting <laughs> because the NIL, uh, you know, at first it was the Wild West, right? Right. <laughs> well, and it, it does that. It, it kind of provides uh, that opportunity for, for athletes uh, in a way that they didn't have in the past to uh, earn some money outside of being a student athlete. And, um, you know, there's we have a lot of anecdotal stories about, you know, there's one young man uh, who uh, is taking the money that he's earned from NIL. And because of that, his mom is no longer has to work a second job, and now she's going back to med, uh, to nursing school to get her nursing degree. So there's a lot of really positive benefits that come from this. And and if it's done well, if it's done right, I, it is a positive. And, and at the University of Florida, given the nature of how large Gator Nation is and how many people are so passionate about the University of Florida, um, there's a great opportunity there for it to be a strength for you. I, I wanted to I pull this statistic out. University of Florida has the largest fan base in the SEC, 5.89 million um, fans. And that's uh, for all the schools in, right. in the SEC. So Gator fans, you know, we're the big dog. So, you know, pony up at least 96 bucks a month and uh, help uh, the Gators compete. And this is for all the programs because I sure, know absolutely. all the... Um, we have about 550 student-athletes. I think right now Florida Victorious is working with close to half of them. But they, their goal, once they're fully funded and, and have all the support necessary, is to, to touch all 500 athletes across all 21 sports so that every Gator athlete has NIL opportunities. Yeah, I was just in um, Nashville uh, last week and um, I put together a mastermind group of law firms that sponsor, that are partners with sports teams. And my uh, friend from Cleveland who does Ohio State uh, was telling me that he put an NIL deal together with all the uh, female, uh, the female basketball team. And every one of them got the same amount of money and they used that opportunity to sponsor charities and to get involved. And they, they were actually doing things within right. the community and growing. And I thought, wow, that that's what NIL should be. Um, certainly there's going to be some star athletes that it's strictly, you know, uh, they're focusing in on the money. However, I think we have a responsibility as leaders to direct them not only to uh, earn the money that NIL provides, but to um, uh, assume the responsibility that comes with that. Yeah, we, 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 there's a, one of the uh, great things the UAA does that, that we don't talk a lot about is, is we spend a lot of time with uh, life skills programs for all of our athletes. So whether it's uh, financial literacy or learning how to, to manage uh, your finances, um, resume building and internships, and there's so many other things in addition to the community service opportunities that we do because it is really important. It's not just about going to class and playing sports and practicing and all that. It's it's you know we're we're hopefully creating leaders for life that you know one day no matter how great an athlete they are, there's going to come a day where they're not playing sports anymore, and we want we want each and every uh, student athlete at the University of Florida to be prepared when that day comes. Yeah, I think that um, it's absolutely critical uh, that, you, you know, you do that. Um, and I, I want to thank you for, for having that.
What do you think are the similarities between being an athletic director and a trial lawyer? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Since I know very little about what it's like to be a trial lawyer, you need to tell me what you think the similarities are. No, well, first of all, when we're in, in front of a jury, right, we're presenting our case and selling. Sure. And that's what you do. Right. 100%. Okay. You know, sales is, touches about every every profession in life, whether you realize it or not. You're in sales mode. You're selling an idea. You're selling a product, a service, yourself, right? So yeah. So I would think there, I could totally see that being a similarity. The One of the interesting things, I, I, I shared the book that Arnold Schwarzenegger wrote. And, you know, what he said was um, you, you have to embrace selling no matter what you're doing. You know, I went... You know, I go to my doctor and I talk to him and I say, well, doc, what do you think I, I should do? I want him to lay it out and present it to me in a way so that I feel like I've got a guy with confidence who's presenting the alternatives and giving me, you know, the pros and cons and what to do and what he recommends. And uh, in our profession, when we have a vision, uh, you know, athletic director, lawyer, whatever, it's our responsibility to present that vision in a compelling way. 100%. And uh, I think that's well said. I, I uh, totally agree because there's a lot of planning that goes into it, a lot of studying. You know, people probably think of you only when you're standing in front of the, the jury, but there's a lot of work that goes in before you get there, right? You've done a lot of pre-planning, a lot of preparation, and very similar from our uh, respect from athletics. So... Um, uh, the uh, there's a, a saying you know see it believe it um uh, achieve it and some would add explain it okay <laughs> right right so um when you're creating a vision what what is it that you're you know trying to accomplish well it depends on it depends on what the task is you know if it's uh if it's um I'm trying to think of an example. If it's a, maybe it's a simple, something as simple as, as justifying a, a budget. You know, that's a big part of what we do is we have a lot of resources, but we have to allocate those resources across uh, all the different sports and how it's going to benefit the Gators to the year. And so uh, we have a, a, a board of directors for the UAA that we have to go and explain that budget to. And so, um, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to explain the vision, the whys, and, and what the benefits is going to be and why this is the budget that should be. Uh, you know, when you're when you're looking at a facility project that you're doing, you know, Conjuring Ballpark, you know, yeah. is a great example. Um, you know, why do we need to build a new ballpark? You know, you're explaining uh, the, the, the benefits, you know, the cost, uh, how that cost is going to be accounted for, you know, how we're going to pay for it. Um, the, the benefit of what that new park could provide. And sometimes you're having to... Um, sell people on an idea that they don't really see clearly and you're having to paint a word picture for them, right? You're having to you're talk about, you know, for instance, the ball, you know, um, you know, we're going to have a place for families and, a, you know, berms for students and, you know, open concourse and, you know, people can move around. Yeah, and, Adirondack chairs yeah, and food trucks right, in, the, you know, in center field. We're going to create a different experience. And if, and if, if people only had, their, people's only experience prior was McKeithen Stadium, which, provo you know, for a long time served the Gators really well. But um, there were some limitations there. And so if that was their only experience, it was hard for them to understand how all this other stuff was, was going to, where it was going to be and how it was going to benefit the program. But once you are successful in, you know, building the facility and people come out and see it. And it's like, oh my goodness, you know, they, so uh, it's trying to anticipate 
what the needs or, or what the opportunities may be, and then trying to convey some things like that that people haven't seen yet. You know, I want to congratulate you on that project because um, we're blessed living in north central Florida. Uh, we can go to all these gator sports uh, easily. You know, I, I, the folks from out of town that are three or four hour drive, it's hard for them to come up for the non-football uh, events. And folks don't realize it's a lot more than football and basketball. Here. Right. And so what I would do, my my challenge to all of you listening and uh, viewing this is engage with uh, the Gator sports. We have the number one sports program uh, in the country, in my opinion. We have uh, great facilities. The um, athletes on the field are top-notch. We're competing in the SEC, which is uh, the best conference in the country. And once you start going, you really get excited. You learn a little bit more about you know who the baseball players are. I. I don't know if you know this, but I pride myself on going to more athletic events than any other Gator partner uh, that it's out Well, there. I see it at quite a few of them, so you're, I think you're doing really well to, on that goal. Yeah, yeah so for, it's a win-win for me, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's like I'm having a blast. I get to go there. Uh, you know, we uh, Melden Law became the, you know, the official law firm partner of the Gators about three years ago. And I have to thank you because I have had so much fun. <laughs> you know, it, I've been living in Gainesville since 1970. And the last three years have been more fun than any time. Uh, and a lot of it's due to what you, uh, the great work that you do at the University Athletic Association. So thank you very well, much. And thank you, thank you for that sponsorship. And um, it's you know I see I see the signs all over town and the ads and using the Gator marks and with you know your very clever uh, uh, ad team that you have that do a, that has obviously done a really good job. They put a lot of thought into what you do. So you know that that's. Um, it's a great platform, meaning the uh, athletics is a great platform. Obviously, it's a great platform for educating young people. It's a great platform to have people uh, engage with the university, whether they are alum or whether they just are fond of the Gators. Um, and it's a great platform to, to let people know about great you know, business partners in our community and throughout the state as well. Well, thank you very much, Scott Strickland, for being on Melden Law and Friends, and uh, we look forward to having you back next year again. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for having okay. me. Okay. You're very welcome. We'll see you later on Melden Law and Friends. Go Gators. Ooh.